I'm Mel. And I'm Tosh. And welcome to another episode of Mahogany Mammology, an online dialogue pertaining to the concerns and carefree parenting of Black motherhood. So, of course, y'all, we finally have launched our retail line of Mahogany Mama merch. So please be a conversation starter with the Continue the Conversation mug and This is Motherhood t-shirt. Shop today at MahoganyMamology.com. And now. On to the show. So if you've been an avid listener, fan, mammologist of the podcast, obviously we've been talking about the American Black motherhood experience. But I'm out of curiosity, you always want to know what's the journey like abroad? Do they experience racism, colorism, educational disparities? Do they experience all the same things that and the Black American mom does. Uh, We'll discuss the Black motherhood experience abroad with our guest mammologist and podcast host, Miss Kiri D. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, it's great. I'm really excited to to chat to you guys today. Same here. Likewise. Well, if people haven't uh, recognized the voice, Carrie is the host of Woke Mommy Chatter. And um, I I feel like this is, like, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity because uh, we've been (laughs) listening to your voice for years. Um, (laughs) So do you mind telling (laughs) telling those who are not familiar with you or with Woke Mommy Chatter a little bit about yourself? We were talking about you living Canada, just so everyone knows. Um, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I live in Canada. Um, so yeah, I live in Canada. I live in a in a in a town. I live in a small town just outside of Toronto. Um, and the podcast, Woke Mommy Chatter, is really I think it's similar, very similar to your podcast. It's talking about the the Black motherhood experience. Um, we we talk about we talk to Canadian mothers, we talk to American mothers. Um, we've even gone over the pond to the UK, um, and we just I you know for me it was really a coping mechanism for dealing with a lot of the um, unpacking a lot of the issues that were coming up in my life, um, and it's it's been a bit of therapy. It's been really therapeutic for me. Um, but yeah, we just talk about motherhood and and what it means to be a black mom. Love it, love it. When did you start the podcast? I started it, it's been about, I want to say about four years now. Okay. My son was about five at the time, but I am I do seasons and it's sporadic, so mm-hmm. I kind of do it when I can, <laughs> and um, so it's not very consistent, but um, I try, you know, to fit it in um, when I can. No, no, we absolutely, really? we absolutely understand as moms. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you get it yeah. in when you can. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, a process for me to come to come to. I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to do like I want to do eight episodes in this season, and it's really the last year or so where I've just said if I can't get it done, I can't get it done, mm-hmm. and I'm going to just take my time and do what I can. Mm-hmm. Very true. Mm-hmm. Very true. So we typically have started off our episodes um, really giving moms roses, if you will, by calling them our Mahogany Mom of the Week. Um, And since you are a mom and our guest mammologist, is there a mom out there that you would love to give either kudos to, lift up on prayer, uh, maybe who's been an inspiration to you as a mom, anyone you want to shout out and give praise to? Um. You know, I think I'm just coming from my daughter's dance school. It's a black dance school and um, majority black dance school. 
And all the moms there are great. We kind of lift each other up in community. <laughs> we share, you know, concerns with our kids. And I think um, I'd love to lift that group up. And then the other person I was thinking about uh, is a lady called Tanya Hales, who started a group here in Canada, but it's kind of branched out to the U.S. as well, called um, Black Moms Connection. Yeah, yes. yes. For me, that. Yeah, that group really, I, you know, it was a home for me when I was struggling and I think I'd love to kind of lift, lift her up as well. Um, because I think that there, that group has been really special for so many moms across North America, across the world. That's awesome. Well, congratulations, Tanya. You are our mahogany mom of the week. Yes. Congrats. Yes. So, yeah, so let's go ahead and just dive Ooh. into it. So you've brief you briefly mentioned the purpose of starting Woke Mommy Chatter and the purpose of like Black Moms Connection was kind of an outlet for you. Right. And so like what kinds of things, you know, what kind of made you come to that breaking point where it was like, okay, I need to seek, you know, some kind of support from somewhere else like what was going on in your life you, you don't have to get too much into detail either if you don't want to well I have so I have two kids and my son is nine now my daughter is six mm-hmm. and at the time when my son was about five um was when there was a lot going on in, here in Canada and also in the states I think um Trayvon Martin um the little boy who had gotten shot in the park with a toy gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of, like all of those shootings, it was like one after another after another. And then that was happening in America, but what was happening here in Canada was something very similar. Mm. And so we had, there was a lot of talk around race, you know, in our house and discussions. And my son was five and kind of picking up on all of that. And one day I'm driving in the car with him and he's sitting at the back of the car, and he's kind of singing. He's like, Blackie, Blackie, Blackie. And I thought he was saying Lackey, like someone who follows someone around kind of thing. So yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, my kid has a great vocabulary for five. This is great. So I said, you know, where'd you learn that word, Lackey? He's like, I'm not saying Lackey. I'm saying Blackie, Blackie, Blackie. So I said, where, you know, I stopped the car, pulled over. I'm like, where did you hear that? And he said, my friend said that's another word for black people. So I said, and this is in the summer, so school's been out for like two months. So, and so I said, that's a, that's a not very nice word for black people. And I said, we don't use that word. We're not, we don't talk like that about our people. And we don't, we don't say that. If your friends say something like that, you have to tell your teacher or, and you correct them. So I realized at that moment that, you know, we have a lot of family around, we have our friends around, but we're living in a community that was very white. His school at the time was not racially diverse at all. And I just really felt in that moment that I was kind of letting him down. And so I had gone online. I had joined a bunch of, my daughter was a, was young. She was a, maybe a toddler at the time. And I had joined a bunch of mom groups, you know, for support and all that stuff. And so, and they were just general mom groups because I had no idea that there was anything else out there. And so I went online and I, in, in these mom groups and I said, does anyone, are there any black mothers out there who want to get together to do like some, um, you know, for kids are the same age, we could do some play dates and just chat. And that's all I wrote. And when I tell you that I got attacked, <laughs> I got attacked. Oh. These mothers went nuts. 
you know, they, they, I was accused of being racist. What? Um, they, and then I got kicked out of the group. Oh. They blocked me. Damn. <laughs> they me out of the group. And I'm not, I was sitting, I remember sitting at my kitchen table and crying, just crying. Because I thought, what the hell? Like, I, what do I, how do I support myself and how do I support my kids in, within my community when there's nobody else like around, and I thought I can't be the only person going through this because I know there are other black moms. And and I had just done a bit of a search. Someone else reached out to me, and I did a search, and that's how I found, that's when I found Black Moms Connection, mm-hmm. and that just changed mm-hmm. my life. Are you originally and from Canada? It, are you born and raised there? Yeah, I was born, yeah, I was born in England. Okay. My parents came to Canada when I was six. Sure. So I'm part of the, the diaspora, right? Like, my mm-hmm. family is originally from mm-hmm. Barbados. Mm-hmm. Both parents are from Barbados, but um, I'm. I mean, I grew up here. I came here when I was six. I don't know. Tasha's, any, any Tasha's putting up the hand. The fight I'm, I'm giving you fist of Caribbean solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your background? So, um, my parents and. I, I grew up with a whole bunch of siblings. So my parents and like half my siblings were born and raised in Jamaica. And then um, okay. they came over here and then my mom like had the rest of her kids. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's why you know Mississauga. Yes. Yes. Family there. Yes. We have like we have one of the largest Jamaican diasporas in the world. I think outside Jamaica. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's here. So no. 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 So I'm not from. I know we're segueing, but yeah. So why is that? Like, what? What is in that city, town? What's What's the reason for that city? Like, why? Why did people settle there? Like, what do you guys? Well, at the time, I mean, we have a very Canada has a very racist immigration history and what was happening so at the time when a lot of it it was different ways so some people came as students in like the 50s and 60s but also what was happening around that time they there was a need for domestic help so a lot of um immigrants from the caribbean the only way they could get into canada was to come as domestics and so what happened was it wasn't whole groups of families it was like a mom would come yep and yep. then they would work yep. and then send for their kids when they could years yep. and years later. And then what happened was it created this, um, I mean, imagine being a parent, a mom, even a dad, and you haven't seen your kid. You left your kid when they were maybe four or five mm-hmm. with grandma or auntie. Mm-hmm. And then you send for them five or six years later when you get enough money. Yep. And now this kid's 11 or 12. Yep. They're in a new country, right? And they yeah. think you're rich because yep. everyone in North America is rich. And then they come here and you're living in an apartment and it's not what they expected. And now you have a new partner and maybe some new kids and there's all this friction. So we have a, we've had a kind of really, um, a kind of fractured history around immigration in black communities. And we're seeing that repercussion today. You know, there's a lot of broken families. Mm. Um, a lot of the same issues that, um, you struggle with in the States, we do too. And I mean, a lot of that is down to the way our immigration habits, um, we see the repercussions. It's, it's, you know, in our child welfare system, our education prison system, it's just, it's amazing when you track the trajectory and you can actually trace back like right to the root, which is immigration. It's really interesting. Wow. You're telling my story, Carrie. <laughs> For real. <laughs> like, mine too. Yeah, mine too. And I think even more so um, in like England, it's a diff- It's kind of the same thing, like service mm-hmm. based, but yeah. also um, like 
educational base. So like I was talking to my mom and maybe Kira, you can relate to um, about like, oh, my husband, his parents are from Jamaica as well. So like my mom would tell me like if they were sending people off either to the States or to like England, it was like a big ordeal. Like they mm-hmm. would, and she grew up in the fifties and she, and folks dressed up with like the gloves or fancy hats mm-hmm. or whatever. It was a thing to send them off yeah. for education, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, mm-hmm. um, my um, mother-in-law, you know, she went to school. And, you know, there's a whole issue of colorism in there, too. You know what I mean? Uh, that I don't want to mm-hmm. get too much into detail. But, yeah, I'm like, you are telling you are telling my story to the T. Mm-hmm. So the area that yeah. you're in, you were saying that you— So you were looking for, you know, different groups, and you found Black Mom Connection— through a, a reference yeah. or a friend. Yeah, so this um, a lady had reached out to me because she was following the chat in the group and she reached out to me and we kind of connected together and realized she didn't live that far from me. And we were just talking about, because we were both surprised by the reaction. And then I was doing at the same time some searching to figure out like there must be another group. So I found Black Lives Connection. I connected her to that group and it just, her and I are still connected. Like it's just that group really helped ground me and really helped me. It was a place where I could, you know, say I could go in there and say, my son, my kid isn't, he doesn't like his hair. He doesn't want to comb his hair. And then I would get genuine real feedback on like tips or books you can read or just, you know, experiences that we were having that were unique to us Mm -hmm. that um, other people, other black people, other black mothers, could relate to and I just found that really grounding and that's kind of where woke mommy chatter came from because I wanted to find a way to kind of extend the conversation and maybe talk about pieces um that I was really interested in exploring and that's where um the podcast came from and the blog came from wow how did you um end up handling what your son was saying like what action did you take from there like did you take any action with the school or no because he um ended up going to a new school oh and I just I channeled it by it just happened that way not intentionally it was he was going into a French immersion program and had to change school but I ended up I just did a lot of writing I we started talking we would have conversations more direct conversations with him at home Mm -hmm. about uplifting we bought all these books um, we would, my, my husband and my dad would have, um, real conversations about hair and, um, how nice, like, you know, the different things you could do with your hair as a, as a guy and all the nice things about your hair. Um, and he's, you know, he's nine now and I'd say he's pretty, pretty proud about, you know, to be who he is. Both kids are. Um, but we still have, we still have struggles. So, his teacher, he brought a book about Malcolm X to school mm-hmm. and his teacher, mm-hmm. oh no, his teacher showed a video. She's great. And she's trying to be, you know, it was Martin Luther King Day. So she showed a video about Martin Luther King. And I actually think it's popular in the States. It's this cartoon video uh, about Martin Luther King and these kids are traveling back through time and, and they cut it with real footage. So in, in they have a cartoon video and then they cut it with real footage of, you know, black people being hosed down or dogs attacking and he'd never seen anything like that before he didn't (laughs) and so he came home really upset and he said it made him angry and so we've kind of been working and of course you know we I talked to his teacher about maybe giving me a heads up so we could talk to him first yeah (laughs) Yeah. a little bit (laughs) give her props for at least showing yeah 
Yeah, yeah. So I didn't want to just come down hard on her or discourage her because she's trying. I understand. So, and then with him, we talked about, you know, we're trying to talk about um, things that are in the past. Like, he has a hard time understanding, differentiating what's in the past and now. And so we are trying to talk about, I don't want him to be angry or to hate, you know, white people. I want him to know his history, but also recognize that things, yes, things, things can be better. But things have also changed massively, mm-hmm. and there's good and bad in everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at at the moment. Those are the kind of conversations that we're having at the moment. It's a struggle. It's hard. I feel like I don't know. Um, it's hard, you know? I don't know if I'm doing it right. Sometimes I feel like I'm tell- telling him too much. Sometimes not enough. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Yeah. Something that, that kind of struck me, you had mentioned early on that when we were going through Tra- Trayvon Martin and, um, and unfortunately I yeah. have forgotten the little boy's name who with the toy gun. Tamir Rice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Tamir Rice. Um, you guys were experiencing something of similar nature up there as well? Yeah. Or what? Because yeah. unfortunately, we we're not really receiving a lot of your news. And it sounds like you receive quite a bit of our news, which is, um, Interesting. What can do you mind telling oh, yeah. us what what happened up there where it was similar nature? America so you America's they're just by population you're so huge. Yeah. Um and just so dominant in terms of culture that yeah, we get we get all the American channels, like we we get all your news. <laughs> and um and we have we have our own news and things, but yeah, so at the time Around that time, 2016, we had also um, 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 Abdi. His name was his last name was Abdi. He was killed by Ottawa police. Um, so that had happened. There was someone else shot, a young guy here in Toronto, um, and then out in Peel. Like, so where you were in Mississauga, the, that 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 police force is known as Peel Police. And they're notorious in many ways because mm. they have a, there are a lot of racial tensions with that police force. They had dragged a little girl, a, a black teenage girl out, um, on the street and were like beating her. Like they just, a, a little girl, like it was unbelievable. Oh. So all this stuff was happening at the same time. And I think for me, and whatever, you know, there's a saying that says, um, if America sneezes, Canada catches a cold. Mm-hmm. And it's, very similar like a lot of that stuff that happens it impact it's impactful for us because we're experiencing it too but we don't have the numbers so our black population in canada is like three percent across the whole country in toronto we're eight percent yeah but the disparities are still there right so uh if you look at the child welfare system so you guys call it um child protection Mm -hmm. child protective services so here our we call it children's aid society. So in Toronto, 40, 41%, and that's a low number. So 41% of the children who have been taken into care by the children's aid society are black, 41%. And that's a low estimate. That's not including kids who might, who might be biracial, who might have one black parent. Right. And so, or kids who just don't, those are people who self-identify. So there's probably what they say is it's actually closer to sixty percent. What? So if you think about that, our our population is eight percent. Yes. 8%. So, so half so the population. Go, More than half. Right. 
Right. So that's the kind of disparity we're talking about in child welfare. And then what that does is it means now, okay, so these kids are in, are in foster care or they're in group homes. Where do they go after? They're not going home. So then that leads into criminal justice, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're homeless. Our homeless population is um, uh, overrepresented uh, by Black and Indigenous people, right? And then in education, the numbers, not, a, not many um, uh, school boards collect race-based data, but they should. They're, they're going to be required too soon. And what happened in education is you'll find, like, um, suspensions, suspension rates with black kids are more likely to be suspended and that they're pushed out of the school system. The discipline is harsher for black kids. So we have all of those same issues that you have. We have them too. It's just you guys maybe have a longer history and you have, you do a better job at collecting race-based data so you can actually see what's going on. We're only now and in the, in fighting for race-based data to be collected, even in healthcare. Like you have all the stats that says that, um, you know, black mothers are more likely to die in childbirth, right? In the States. Mm-hmm. That's essentially that we know just anecdotally that that happens here too, because you talk to, you talk to people where you hear stories like birth stories, right? And you just know it, you know that your experience as a black person is different, but we don't have the data to, um, to prove it. So what you get sometimes, what you get sometimes is, sorry, hang on a sec. Yeah. My kids are in the car. I'm sorry. <laughs> what happens is <laughs> you'll have these conversations and, or you'll take something to the school board, for example, and it's like, well, prove it, right? Prove mm. that, that this is racist. So prove that you're experiencing disparities because we don't have the data. So I think that's a challenge that we have. So I would say anything you're experiencing in the States, we are too. And, the, and yeah, may, the numbers are probably smaller because we're a smaller population, but it's the same experience. You would think that, I'm or a lot of people away. have the misnomer that, you know, Canada is kind of this utopia. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a place to run to for more freedom and things like that. Yeah, but you, you remember when remember when Trump was running? Yeah, we everybody's like, well, talking about I'm going to run to Canada. You well, guys were is, probably laughing at us when we did that. Too. What is, what is <laughs> your prime minister? Um, doing to try to combat some of this? Is he even talking about it or anything like that? No. So <laughs> I think one of the biggest criticisms of Justin Trudeau mm-hmm. from the Black community is is just that, right? So it's the decade for, um, it's the international decade for people of African descent. Mm-hmm. And we did nothing. Like Canada's done nothing. So they're only now trying to catch up. So he's, he doesn't actually, I remember... He had assembled all these black people to talk about the international decade of African people. And while, so he's standing in the front talking about this. There are black people around him, like dignitaries and politicians. And a reporter asked a question about something completely unrelated. And he answered, and they started having this conversation about something completely unrelated. And that sums up, that just sums it up really neatly so Mm. I think there's this um they want to be seen as doing something but they're 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 not doing anything really and I don't know I think what's happening what's happening now they have they're putting together an institute where they're going to be giving funding to black community organizations for capacity building and but it's not I think the difference is they're not 
talking about it in policy. And what makes it really hard, like I said, is that across Canada is a very big country. And so black people live in pockets and we're only 3%. So imagine that, like we're only 3% of this huge country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's no incentive for them to really discuss issues that are impacting us. Like they'll talk about gun crime, right? Or things like that. Like that's how they talk about it, but not the real kind of deep issues. And it's when you get at the, at the provincial level, which you guys would call the state level Mm -hmm. is more when the, where those conversations are happening in the communities where there are more black people. So out east in Nova Scotia, here um, in the greater Toronto area, and then probably in Alberta, like there's Mm -hmm. pockets in Alberta where a lot of black people have migrated to, where those conversations are happening as well. Wow. Is there like, because out here we have uh, the Buy Black movement. Is there such a thing in Canada? Yeah, I think so. I think... um, we have a lot of online community groups and you'll see that in there. We have black marketplaces that will pop up. Um, there's definitely, we have, um, people have tried to put together like apps or, um, just a, a webpage where you could find, you know, black, um, businesses. So there's definitely that. Um, I think, I don't know. I think it's harder because we are, we have less people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it makes it a little bit harder, but we definitely do have that. So today, for example, there's a black marketplace that's going to be in a town called Newmarket, which is really close to where I live. And like things like that, like that's really exciting. It's new. It's the first time they've had it. But yeah, but you'll also see a lot of white people there too, which is interesting and and good. Yeah. 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 So what what is the viewpoint of Canadian black moms of US black moms? Like what how you guys probably are you guys shaking your heads at us? I mean, how do you guys re- I don't think so. I think there's a lot of um like there's a lot of commiseration, right? Like we kind of see ourselves as the same. I think I don't know, I don't mean I don't want this to come across um like insulting. I think American black Americans sometimes think that your experience is unique to you and it's not, I think there's, you know, that saying that says the only, um, the only difference is where you were dropped off on the boat. Mm -hmm. Like we all came from the same place. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I think we might have maybe some things are a little bit easier for us because of the way the country's set up. So we have a year maternity leave, for example, if you are lucky enough to have a job, (laughs) that yeah. will support that. You have a year off and you can even take up to two years off and have your job secured. So those kind of, we have healthcare. So you're not paying um, to have your baby or you're not paying if you get sick, right? You don't have to worry about that, but there's still, so there's that stuff. Like that's great. Um, and there are pieces, I think, I think life might be not easier, but maybe a little bit more comfortable if you're not like if you're not financially, you know, well off, you might be you might have a more comfortable life here. But there's still there are still concerns that black families have, um that may that white families may not have, right? That's still very real. The experience that our kids have in school is not the same. Right? The experience there's a thing now where even community centers, there's a reporter who had contacted us because she's doing a story on the number of um, 
black kids who get, um, I, I, I'm, the word I'm thinking of is expelled, but they get kicked out of community centers because of, I don't know, like something might happen and they might kick the black kids out, but nobody else. Right. Mm. And just everywhere you go, it's like policing, over policing of, of black people and black kids. And so we get that too. So there's, there's good and there's bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the, the extreme of a stop and frisk. For real. Yeah, we have that too. Like we have that oh. too. We call it, they call it carding. And there was a big internal, and, and we have a black police chief. Who oh. That's hilarious because <laughs> she so, said it is hilarious. <laughs> like the first wow. black police chief we've had. And at the time when he was a lot, when he was appointed, um, there were a lot of protests. In other words, we have Black Lives Matter Toronto. Mm-hmm. They stopped like mm-hmm. City Hall meetings and things like that. And he came out, this black police chief came out and said, he's like, well, you know, we need to have meetings and we need to connect with the black community so we can understand what they're going through. And it's like, are you for real? Are you not a black man in the city? Okay. Right. <laughs> but he's he's under the guise so, of privilege, too. Someone you know? wrote that yeah. statement for him. Yeah. Yeah. So we have carding. They 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 say they claim that they are not going to do it anymore. So they they put a stop to it. But if you go into communities that are over police and ask young black men, they probably don't know notice the difference, right? My uncle is fifty something. He looks young, and he was walking through a park. He said he got he got stopped by police and they they're at you know where are you going what's your name where do you live like where what let me see your id all of those things right and they they keep those records and he was a 50 something year old grown man wow mm, mm, mm. Shameful. shameful shameful what what's mm-hmm. your advice to to our moms that listen and you know have thought about wanting to move abroad and i and know that every country is a little might be a little bit different but we we as a whole, I feel like, always talk about Canada. Just, you know, it comes up like, oh, we should all just move to Canada, you know. Mm-hmm. As you talked about the great health care and, you know, the paid yeah. time, you know, the paid leave. But what is your yeah. advice to those that are like, oh, can, should I explore this? Or is there, is there steps I, that should I think, I think that's a great question. It's hard to answer. So, you know, I said I was born in England. And I actually went back, I lived there, so I, I I did my master's there, and then I stayed for, like, about three or four years. And I what I'll say is that, so knowing those two countries, I can't talk about the States, but Canada and, and the UK, nothing is perfect. There are differences. Like, I couldn't live, when, I, when we decided that we wanted to have kids, I said I need to come back, I need to come home. So I couldn't live in the United Kingdom because I felt that the, I didn't understand the racism there, right? Mm. Like everyone was really nice to you, <laughs> but you could never, um, they have a very, it's a very class based system. Correct. So yeah. even if you're, you're really wealthy, if you're black, you could be like the most educated, but you'll always be considered, um, mm. what do they call you? Um, Inferior? Working class. Mm-hmm. They, they yeah. call it working class. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Working class. And they just, it's bizarre to me, but it's like you can't get away from that. And I think maybe Meghan Markle saw a little bit of that, but it's a very different type of experience. And I think it's the same thing with Canada, right? Like you guys, you know, 
you know how to manage and deal with what you experience in the States. And then here in Canada, we know how to manage and deal with what we experience, right? So I, I don't think that one place is better than the other. I think if you're willing to, um, you know, try and embrace a different experience, sure, move. There's a lot of great things about Canada. I love this country. You know, I think I grew up in what you might call a ghetto. I grew up in Jane and Finch. It's a poor community of mostly immigrants. Um, when I was growing up, there was a lot of, um, uh, shootings and violence and gang violence and a lot of police in the community. But I was able, and my parents worked really hard to make sure we got a good education and, and they fought the education system. Like I had a grade four teacher who told my mother that she couldn't expect much from me because of where we lived. Like, mm-hmm. kind of, like they fought against all of that stuff. And we were able, both my sister and I, to go on to university and to do all that stuff. So I don't know if it's the same. If Like, I didn't feel like that was difficult. I felt like there were barriers in my way, but it wasn't like I never thought that was a possibility. But you might talk to somebody else and they might have a different experience. So I don't know. I think it just depends on what you're willing to deal with or embrace and how much change um, you're, you're willing to kind of, manage as a family if you're going to make a, a move like that. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like I didn't even leave the States and talking to talking to you. For real. <laughs> so, it's yeah, just a borderline. It's like, it's like every, every, <laughs> every country has its own set of, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, discrimination, racism, classism. So, you know, mm-hmm. inferior, superior, inferior complex. Yes. Even within, mm-hmm. like, I was reading an article when I was doing the research for this about a young a mom who lives in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, she was from D.C. And so she was experiencing, you know, that because for the most part, Brazil is like 80 percent black. Yeah, yeah, Afro, you know I mean? Afro Latina Cuban, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that Afro, but there's still that that colorism, you know, mm-hmm. point which is huge, you know, in South America. So they had that inferior yeah. superior um, um, differences. So it's kind of like, how do you thrive and survive despite all of that being thrown or all you're experiencing all of that? So yeah. same thing in Canada, apparently. Yeah, yeah it's about getting yeah, hundred percent. Getting in, uh, finding the same it, thing. Yeah. Creating a village. Correct. <laughs> which I know we've talked about yeah, several times. Yeah, I think that's it. Correct. You have to find your village, right? Like, I think the difference is, you know, maybe mobility. Like, we could live, I find, like, in the States, there are a lot of, like, black people live in pockets, which is actually nice. But, like, you'll find, like, even affluent black people kind of live in a community together. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Like, and, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, whereas here, people are more, and I think it's probably engineered that way, but people are more, black people are more dispersed, right? So we're more, which is also why we don't rise up the same way, mm. because we're all kind of scattered and different. And so, it, but you it's taken us a while. A person. But it's taken us a while, because I feel like we started off kind of like what you're saying is, we, those who are affluent, have lived in the non-black areas because of our affluencies and then what happens is well the more and more uh, blacks became affluent they flocked to hey you know 
it's about right, the network, right? right? So they're like, oh, you live over here? Oh, okay, well, I'll move over, you know, in that same yeah. area. And so that's why those pockets now, you know, have grown to be what they are. Mm-hmm. Right. I would love just... that. <laughs> yeah. But I think here, like, you could, I could go and move into, like, the widest community, and I could live my life thinking and just not think about race, right? Like, I could send my kids to school. I could deal with it if they got called the N-word. I could, you know, I would just manage day to day, but I wouldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't make a big deal about it. And I think a lot of black people, that's how they live here in Canada. Mm. They just, they just live. Like they're not out fighting. They're managing their day to day and they're living a good life. But it doesn't mean that they're not experiencing disparity. Sometimes they choose not to recognize it. And then the other thing I find is that when you do talk to people and you get together with people, even black people, (laughs) then they're like, Oh, right. Yeah. We do experience that. Or we, and then they start to realize, like, I think sometimes they don't realize how pervasive these, these disparities are. And then the other thing that happens too is in Canada, we have a lot of new immigrants and what's, and we have a lot of immigrants now from the continent. They're coming from Africa. So they have a very different perspective, right? And they just they just get on with it. Like, they don't sit and analyze and talk about racism. They just get on with it. And they just, that's what they do. So we'll have, we have um, a group called Parents of Black Children where we're, we're advocating um, for the school boards to improve the outcomes for black kids. And so we have these meetings, these quarterly meetings with um, parents, and we most of the time you'll find that they're parents who've gone through the system, or they're like their heritage is Caribbean or they're Canadian, they're Black Canadian, and then we'll get like a few Africans, but they have a very very different perspective. They are just they're not about organizing, not yet. They're just get on with it, get on with it, and deal with it. They haven't really, I think recognize or the um how systemic these issues are mm. and they're just about dealing with it and moving on maybe it's because they're new immigrants too right it's just you just you're in a new country you just the honeymoon phase here yeah, yeah the yeah. honeymoon phase hasn't, hasn't hasn't gone away and then i guess when you think about it you if you're coming from <laughs> excuse me caribbean african countries you are essentially ingrained, ingrained with nothing but black people. So you you are not experiencing mm-hmm. that kind mm. of racism. You know, I think way back when um, Ida B. Wells said, like, she was raised in Florida and St. Augustine, which is at the time was like the only or the very first, you know, black community. So she didn't experience any of that until she stepped out. Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah, kind of like yeah. she, I, I don't know, I can't speak, you know, what her struggle was like once she stepped out, but she never experienced that. So I feel like that's probably yeah. the same thing, you know, Africans, Caribbeans experience um, the racism part. I'm not, you know, again, going yeah. back, there is there is a difference in class and all that. That's always going Which to be. Which you probably experienced, but it's just the whole, ra- yeah, yeah, the whole yeah. The, the, the racism part. Race. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, oh, my yeah. gosh. Whew. I think we can talk like forever. For, looking forward to coming to visit you one of these days. I know, look at me next time. <laughs> Be on this plane um, <laughs> and, and come in and show up, yeah. show up and show out. Um, 
So tell us, uh, in closing, like, what what are you up to next? I know you're doing the podcast when you can. Are you doing anything yeah. live? What, um, how can people, and how can people find you? Where, where do they find this, <laughs> this woke mommy chatter and catch up on all these fantastic episodes? Yeah, so you can follow me on, on all the social things um, at woke mommy chatter on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, the podcast, we're in season four, and I've got two episodes done. I'm working on a third one. I just, um, it'll be in the co- next couple of weeks that that'll be um, released. And I'm not, so I have all these great ideas. I just don't have time. So I would love to do a live <laughs> show. Um, and I've been saying, I stopped saying it. <laughs> I used to say it on the podcast all the time. And I just stopped because it's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, I think a lot of my focus and energy has been taken away by this group, Parents of Black Children. Um, and we're trying to really, we started as um, a group that was in just this, in our region, which is York region, north of Toronto. And what happened is we got inundated by calls from parents across the province, like across, oh, wow. like you would like the state, mm-hmm. um, who are experienced, like they're Oh, there's a principal who called the kid the N-word. <laughs> like, a principal called the kid the N-word. Another, like, just all these stories that you hear from mm. parents. And they don't have anywhere to go, and so they've been kind of coming to us. And it's, the group's just been growing, and so my, a lot of my energy and time's been focused on that. Um, so I think that's where, you know, my passion, I'm realizing, is in education. Because I think that that's where... Um, everything starts the school to prison pipeline is a real thing. And, um, that's where I think a lot of my, you know, writing and topics around for the podcast. And that's where it, that's my focus right now. It's really on our, on trying to figure out how we can do things better for our black kids, um, in education. Nice. Nice. Keep doing that. I Keep mean, we definitely people, grassroots on the ground, you know, really spreading mm-hmm. the word, especially in Canada in the in the different provinces. Mm-hmm. And once folks really, yeah. really start to, you know, know what you do, here you are, um, I could only imagine you'll be getting calls from the other provinces as well. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, keep yeah. at it. Keep yeah. fighting that good I fight. I think so. Mm-hmm. And let us know if you need resources. <laughs> I will. I'm so, you know, I'm so, I've been following you guys since you first started and I'm just so grateful to um, get to talk to you and um, I think you guys are doing an amazing job. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I've been following, you know, I've been following you too in the Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, she's like, got a Facebook group, know. guys. So you got to check it out. Check it out. So, yes. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. This this has been one of my bucket list things to get you on the Oh, podcast. she talked about this since oh. we started. Like, we got to have her on. I'm like, okay, well, girl, you got to figure oh that out. God, oh, I'll so do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, thank That's you great. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck to thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Right, bye-bye. So let's continue the conversation through our listener comments and questions and in our Facebook group. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can also email us at mahoganymomology at gmail.com. Don't forget to get your t-shirt and mug on our website, www.mahoganymomology.com. Until next time, I'm Tosh. And I'm Mel. And we thank you for listening to Mahogany Mammology. Bye-bye.